everybody. Hey guys, welcome to the film room. And we're doing another Star Wars cast because we can. Because we want to. Because it's our podcast, damn it. And because this is one that we've wanted to do for some time. This is one I've really been pushing for because this is... Oh boy, this movie. Yeah, this has been asleep for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, this has been one that I've really wanted us to do, especially ever since it got on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, this movie is bad. Um, we are going to be covering the Clone Wars movie today. Uh, we're going to be looking back to the 2008 movie that is, to me, a perfect symbol of what nearly happened to Star Wars. What, how it nearly died. Um, uh, I want to point out before we get to it that uh, this is not the first non-episode Star Wars movie. This is not the first long-form uh, Star Wars story. The two Ewok movies were released internationally. Oh, yeah. I continually forget that those exist. That's kind of a... I don't know. They're not bad, but they're not great. They're sort of... They're strange. They are just TV movies over here. They're strange. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're bad. I just think they're strange. And then, of course, there was the Star Wars Holiday Special, which... I'm just going to say this right now. Don't look for an episode on it, because it's unwatchable. It's it's unwatchable. It's very unwatchable. It's bad. Watch. There's, there's nothing else to say. You know, watch the Stelta Critic, watch the John Tron, both of which I've kind of... Uh, John Tron is a shit. Yeah. But, watch um, the... Uh, Brad Jones did it. Yeah, watch the Brad Jones thing. Um, yeah, those, those are good. Those, those we can approve of. This is... But, as I said, this is not the first time that Star Wars went non-episodic, uh, nor would it be, of course, the last one. Uh, we all... Saw Rogue One. Yes. <laughs> and it kicked so much ass. Just an infinitum of ass. Uh, I love Rogue One. Oh, yeah. I have uh, I have um, the IMAX. I'm staring at the IMAX poster right now. <sighs> yeah, Rogue One was awesome. Rogue One was a pure, unfiltered blast of Star Wars that managed to be such mm. without having much of the Skywalker family in it. Aside from two quick yeah. shots. So, this is not the first time, but it's probably the biggest and probably the best known. And I, I, one of the reasons I want to talk about this movie is because I think it represents what Star Wars became after the prequels. Now, we discussed in the, in the special edition cast how the special editions gave the series new life. And I want to point out, by the way, that there were other ideas. You know, you had the expanded universe, which I'm going to be doing a, a, a blog post to go along with this cast, where I'm going to cover the highlights of the expanded universe, which did kind of help keep things going. Um, but even the expanded universe was kind of in a sputtering place when this, mo- when this uh, movie came out. Star Wars was starting to die uh, again. Star Wars found itself kind of in a similar place post prequels that it did when um, episode uh, when the special editions came out. It was kind of in the same place where the wheels were starting to spin. There was never going to be any promises of new content. Lucas had always said he was done, and so this was kind of a little bit of a of a jolt. It was going to be oh they're going to do a TV series. It's going to cover the gap between episodes two and three. And this was supposed to be a big deal. Right off the bat, can I say what a bad idea this TV series was at the moment that it came out? (laughs) 
first things first, let's acknowledge that there were the two mini-series, like, and I mean mini, the all total uh, it adds up to about two hours and maybe 15 minutes worth of footage. The uh, Jindy Tar- Tarkovsky uh, animated stuff, which I know you've seen recently. Yeah, I saw it recently. It's a ma- it's a it's a straight mini series. Um, it's actually really really good. Fleshes out the story quite a bit just in those brief amounts of time. Yeah, I mean, basically it exists on its own. Like it's not, for instance, uh, it has nothing to do with the uh, Clone Wars movie or TV series. Um, like, that came after. Like, it does not tie into that continuity at all. Basically, you could watch episode one, episode two, Jedi Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, and then episode three, and it would flow pretty seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen Samurai Jack, you kind of know what you're in for. Animation's gorgeous. Yeah, which is high praise, because, yeah, the animation's really good. It, It accentuates characters a lot more. The relationship between Anakin and Padme is actually really sweet, and there's chemistry there, which the movies lack. Yeah. It explains some things that happen in episode three uh, that don't necessarily need explaining on their own, but, you, you know, you it kind of makes it a little better. Like, for instance, why uh, General Grievous, why he's... Uh, Coughing. Yeah, why he's coughing and he's all fucked up. That's yeah. explained. Mace Windu did that shit. Um, Which is awesome. Also, Mace, oh, Mace, Mace Windu is a badass in this. It, it kills me how in the auxiliary materials, Mace Windu is so awesome. And in the movies, he's really not given much to do. Yeah, I, uh, I was filled in on his sort of backstory and like his... Uh, like, what powers you're supposed to have by uh, my friend Zach, who we showed this to me. And it's like, yeah, Maze Windu is actually really awesome. And there's, like, a reason why his uh, lightsaber is purple. We all know the real reason. Yeah, we all know the real reason. I, we know the real reason. He wanted it, and also he, uh, I guess he has Banff etched into the actual thing. <sighs> yeah, you know what I think it comes down to? It's that in the material that's not done by Lucas... Everybody else realizes they get to write Samuel L. Jackson as a Jedi. Yeah. And so they get to have fun with it. Um, there's a novel that comes between these. I, I I don't really know the name of it. It's not coming to my head at the top. Of me. But it'll definitely be noted in the article. But but he uh, gets a novel that really is just incredible. Uh, it's killing me that I can't think of it uh, right now. Uh, and I don't have the time to go look it up. But he does have a solo novel that's fantastic. I do recommend that. Um, but yeah, like all all the characters, like Yo- we get a Yoda battle that's really badass and way better than what's presented in the movies, and we get to see the extent of Yoda's power. It's I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's really good. That's the thing. We didn't need this series because we had this mini series. It covered all the ground we needed. Yes, it did. However, however, Lucas liked money in theory. Also, it doesn't... One of the biggest problems I have with the Clone Wars CG animated series as a concept is they shove in extra character that is in no way mentioned in the movies. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to her at length, because I can explain some of it. Um, Okay. It's important to note that 
To me, if this series had come during the movies, I might not have minded so much. But it's coming after, at a point where we don't really care about the prequels anymore. I love the prequels, even I didn't care anymore. The story was told. You don't get anything by going back in and filling in in-between story that we already pretty much know. Everything that happens on this show has a zero-sum outcome, because we know right off the bat that none of these characters showed up in Episode 3. We know what's going to happen to them. Their fates are sealed. Even when it's, you know, if it's... And it's the same thing that Rogue One had going for it, where we know that none of those characters... It's funny, we're going to talk very little about Rogue One, but we are going to drop the major spoiler that there isn't a single new character in that movie that walks out of it alive. Yeah. You had that's to... That's pretty much a given. You kind of know. You know, walking in, that's how it is. And that's how it is with the Clone Wars series. So it's a bad idea in so many ways. Doing it three years later was a bad idea. And the whole thing reeked of Lucas not really understanding his the material that he'd created. There's so much wrong with this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's go through a little bit of the genesis of the movie before we actually tear into it, and we are going to tear. Let's explain that this was planned as just TV series uh, work. This was just going to be TV series episodes. George Lucas saw some footage of it and told them, you need to make this a movie. Uh... Yeah, that's that's the grand <sighs> genesis. Lucas. I know. I don't I don't like to blame Lucas for everything wrong. I do. Um I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I Go ahead. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. You should blame Lucas for everything wrong because he is the writer director. He does have to take the credit for it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I don't think that everything that he's cl- called out as having done wrong, he actually did wrong. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like there's a lot of that stuff because I love the prequels. I'm on record as saying that. Uh, I don't love the prequels. I don't love the prequels much less than the original trilogy. To be honest, I really don't. I, it's 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 really for me one pretty unified saga. Um, episode one is goofy, I know, but it also has a fiendishly clever political plot that looks more and more relevant every single day and. Uh, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson as Jedi Knights is just as awesome as it sounds. Uh, it has the pod race. I mean, it has the final battle with Darth Maul. I mean, there's some awesome stuff. Even Jar Jar has a couple of good moments. Damn it. Episode 2, okay, you've got uh, Anakin and Padme is just hopelessly broken. But you know what? Everything with Obi-Wan is, again, just to go back to another point, badass. Uh and it's nice. It's a good-looking movie. It's a gorgeous-looking movie. Uh, for you know, for an early t- test of what full digital could look like, it's a great-looking movie. Uh, CGI is really good in it. It has that amazing opening chase sequence. Uh, and then episode three, to me, is just... I don't even need to make any defenses for it. It's just badass. So, so I, I, I'm getting all this out of the way to stress that I don't agree with how a lot of people feel about the prequels. But as I said, this decision, this is on Lucas. Lucas looked at it, he said, you should do a movie out of it. And so they decided, okay, that's what we're going to do. So hastily, they cobbled this stuff together and put it out in theaters. Let's make a list of some of the ignominious things that this movie gets to be said. Uh, It's the only Star Wars movie uh, to have been released theatrically in the United States and not open at number one at the box office. 
Uh huh. It's the only Star Wars movie not to be in the top three uh, highest grossing movies of its year. And um, just a quick aside: this is canon, right? Yes, this is canon. This is hard canon. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Just to be clear, the Clone Wars animated stuff is canon. Uh, by both Tartakovsky and this, it's canon. The uh, Tartakovsky and this are canon. Yes, they're both canon. Hard canon. That's weird because they have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, but they're both hard canon. I can see them as coexisting, is what it comes down to. I can see them as coexisting. Hmm. I get that. Uh, They're hard canon. The episodes are hard canon. Uh, Rogue One is hard canon. Uh, The forthcoming Han Solo movie. Basically, if it happens on the big screen, it's canon. Um, also the new, also effective immediately, all novels, all comics, the novels that they've been producing since Disney bought are canon. The uh, comics are all now canon and actually informing the story. Star Wars Rebels is so much canon that, uh, a character from Rebels, uh, Saw Gerrera, uh, shows up in, uh, Rogue One. Nice. That's pretty awesome, actually. Uh, or I think... He- I, it was either Rebels or uh, the Clone Wars. Rebels and the Clone Wars are very much a co-related series. That's the same people that made it. Um, and there's uh, and yeah, and for the record, when he showed up uh, post Rogue One, uh, he got a new voice actor. Uh, Forrest, hmm. Whit- Forrest Whitaker came up ba- back to do it. So really, yeah. So oh, that character, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to stress nice. that that there that. That this is all, this all, it's canon. As I said, this movie didn't even break 70 million at the box office worldwide. I, okay, then I will amend my uh, statement on the Lucas blame, which is everything that is auxiliary that he, that he sticks his finger into, he fucks up. There's a fantastic Did You Know Gaming episode on Star Wars games, and one theme that runs through it is... Every time Lucas sticks his head and then goes, hmm, interesting, I like what you're doing here, but can we do this? Then it either dies, uh, like flat dies, or um, becomes crap. It's interesting to compare that to Steven Spielberg, who also sticks his nose into games and, (laughs) and makes them much better. Why? Spielberg is an avid gamer. Oh, is he really? Yeah, Spielberg's a huge video game buff. Like, what did he? Uh, what did he get involved in? Uh, Medal of Honor. Really, Medal of Honor was very much his pitch. He said there needs to be a World War II game. There needs to be a good quality one. He gave suggestions. He gave input on it, and the series became a block. Became a blockbuster. He would know. <laughs> yeah. So no, he know. Yeah, he knew. He knows what he's doing. Here's the thing that I'm going to say about Lucas. I firmly believe that ep- after episode one was savaged by the fans, Lucas's heart went out of Star Wars. I don't think he cared anymore. Yeah. I, I think he... I think that's why some of episode two feels phoned in. That's why I think especially the love story stuff feels as phoned in as it does. Is I think he was wounded. I think he was wounded by the reaction. And I think he pulled back on the personal stuff to some degree. Um, I, I think that it very much became a business decision for him, and I think that's why it was so easy for him to sell to Disney. I think so, yeah. 
Like, you'll never see J.K. Rowling selling Harry Potter and being done with it that way. I don't think Lucas cared, and I think that doing this series was very much a mercenary move. It was, I want to make some money. So, as I said, he, he had this, the movie came out, it has an 18% at Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it deserves it. It deserves it. Uh, it flopped so badly that it played at the Dollar Theater, which is where I saw it, for a week and was gone. They didn't even do midnight showings for this movie. Can I make that clear? Ooh. Ouch. Yeah, they did, they did nothing. Nothing in the way of support for this. This was a flop. So, we've done a lot of talking around this movie. Uh, I'm just going to say right now. This movie is what I is what when people talk about the prequels and how much they hate them, this is what I assume they watched. Like this is what I assume that watching those must have felt like for them because this movie is worthy. Uh there's even a Wikipedia quote that said this is it was a quote from a critic that said this is what the prequels were accused of being. I will be the first to admit that uh, this is absolutely not what the prequels were like. No, it's it's really not. It, it it's it's okay. Keep in mind that this was cobbled together from three or four episode scripts for the animated series, more or less. I mean, you can even see while you're watching this movie exactly where the pilot would have ended, but the story keeps going. This movie, I cannot believe I saw this in a theater. This is this is one of the least worthy of being in theaters movies I've ever seen. As I said, this movie, it's, it, it has a nonsense plot. It has terrible characterization. It has... The movie only had $8 million for animation. It, it only cost $8 million. So, it looks like an $8 million animated movie. The character yeah. designs are crap ugly. Uh, it's poorly paced. This is... Yeah, this is not a movie, really. But why don't you? I want to hear your plot synopsis. Let's let's get let's get the plot synopsis out of the way so that we can just get it dealt with. Yeah. So basically, what happens is uh, the movie starts, and Yoda and company, yeah, the Jedi Council basically, they need Anakin and. Uh, Obi-Wan for a mission, uh, which is basically, oh, what the fuck was that intro? Oh my god. They did the, they basically do the, uh, instead of doing the scrawl. It's a news. Uh, and that's what they did for the entire show. Did they really? Uh, I mean, okay for the show, but this is, if you're going to release it, this in theaters, like even Rogue One had the scrawl. No, Rogue One did, did it. not no. have the scrawl. Rogue One did not have the scroll. Okay. <sighs> okay, then I'll lighten up a bit on that. But <laughs> but the the newsreel thing doesn't work. It works probably fine for the TV show. It doesn't work for this. Because there's no sense of grandeur. You're just flung into this. The gist of it is Jabba Hutt's son has been kidnapped. And uh, the Jedi Council wants to... Uh, be the one to bring him back so they can curry favor with the Huts so that they can use this, use the Huts territory, the Hut controlled territory for battleground? A passage. Passage. That's it. 
that's that's the whole crux of the plot. Yeah. It's wow. it's really not much of a plot, is it? No, not really. And the only other thing that's going on is new, they send a Padawan to them and specifically say, "Hey, Anakin, train this uh, train this person." And we get the inevitable plot of him slowly coming to warm to her because she's a perky little, she's a perky teenage girl, because of course she yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, she's a perky teenage alien girl. Uh. Yeah, that's the entire plot of this movie. This is the thing is, that's the plot as we're describing it. But but here's the thing. It's interrupted constantly by non-stop action sequences. Every 2 minutes this movie stops for an action sequence. And they're not all that good to be honest. No. <laughs> no. They're no. they're really not. They're not all that good. The I don't know. It's funny, though, because I've watched some of the later episodes of the TV show, and some of the later action gets fantastic. Um, I watched the uh, Darth Maul arc, for example, and the action in that is really kind of great, even. But it makes sense that it wasn't ready for the movie, because the movie really does feel like it was rushed. Like, it was definitely... Yeah. The movie was definitely rushed to get to theaters so that it could hit a summer date. Uh, it came out in August, by the way, the first Star Wars movie to be released in a non-peak date. Yeah. And he, even then it couldn't be a hit. That says a lot. But yeah, the action's very rushed. It's just a lot of, and it's a lot of non-stop, you know, here, if we throw in a bunch of lightsaber battles, this is going to make it interesting, right? <laughs> no. No, it, it gets really boring really fast. I'd wager there's as much action in this as there is in one of the other prequels. Uh, yeah. Now I will say there. You, you were talking about the opening. Just to get back to that real quick, there is one thing that I do like about it, and that is the redo of the op- of the theme. You like the you like the theme remake? Yeah, I actually did. I, I liked it because it gives it kind of a uh, you know drums of war. It's a drums of war feeling. It is. Yeah. It's very effective. The music actually is fine. Uh, Kevin Kiner does a fine job with the score here. I've got no complaints. He's not John Williams. But he's not trying to be. He's trying to do something different in his own thing. And I like it. I like it. There, that's 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 the compliment I'm going to give this movie. But yeah. <laughs> so again, so much of this movie is, oh, they have to get from point A to point B. Then they have to get from point B to point C. And I know that you could say that about all of these movies, but it really feels bad here. Yeah. If It feels forced. It feels... This movie is forced as shit. It is so forced. It nev- There's no sense that there was a coherent story when everybody sat down. Like something I mentioned in the pre-show while we were waiting for my computer to work uh, is the, like, th- for example, the relationship between Anka and Ahsoka. Uh, it's like he spends about half an hour like compl- like during this thing that they had to wrap up before they could get to the real plot. Um, Translation: The first episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he 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 spends all of it complaining about her. Like even when she does something right and saves his life, he's like, "Ah, uh, you're reckless, blah blah blah." I saved your life. It's like, yeah, fair point. Um, and then and then at the very end of it, they have a moment. It's like, "You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi Wan's Padawan, but you might make it as mine." Oh. oh, okay. That was sudden. 
And that's because, again, that was the end of the first episode. This very definitely feels like they took three episodes and just kind of let them run longer than they were supposed to run. Yeah. Because that's really, it really does divide pretty neatly into three segments. Um, it kind of does, yeah. You've got the first segment, you, you've got the stuff with Ventress in the middle, and then you've got the resolution. It really does feel like this, seriously, I could see this put direct to video. This this really isn't all that different from, say, the Batman Beyond movie, or I'm cringing because I'm going to be using a comparison to this. Linkara just did a review of this movie uh, on his uh, show, and I, I agree with everything he said about it. Uh, have you ever seen the Batman Superman movie? Uh, it's been a long time if I have. It's the, it's the animated one where it's just combines... It's sixty one. It's the it's the one that combined the two animated shows. Is it is is it the same one that aired as a two parter? Yeah, three part. What was a three part? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I have I have very hard seen it. Yes. Then here's the thing. That one also neatly collapses into three episodes, and you can tell it as you're watching it because I watched it edited as one. But you know what? It was good. It was. It was. It's yeah. real damn good. This. My god, this feels like... This is a tie-in product on screen. This isn't a movie. This is a tie-in, is what this is. But you're right. At, you know, they have that relationship. And then at the uh, then after that, it's pretty much dropped that he's going to have any sense of, oh, I have to grow to trust you and I have to grow to respect you. That's dropped after the first act. Yep. Again, because this isn't a movie, this is TV show episodes that were cobbled together. Seriously, the only thing that this really has going for it as a narrative is that through line of going from getting the hut and getting all that dealt with. Um, by the way, that central plot is ridiculous. Can we just agree about that? I completely agree with that. The central story is just silly. It's like, this might as well have been called Hut Family Reunion. Seriously, his entire plot is that he's going to start a war between the hut Count Dooku, who is supposed to be this Count Dooku. amazing, intelligent character. Played played by Sir Christopher Lee. He is a sir, isn't he? He was? Yes, oh yes, he was absolutely knighted. But Damn it. <laughs> I know. But seriously, his entire plot is to frame the Jedi uh, in the hopes that it will uh, force the Jedi Council to... You know, it's this weird, complicated plot where, let's see, he, it'll start a war between the Jedi and the Huts and Zero. That's part of the thing. There's a character in this movie who I've been waiting this entire cast to get to, Zero the Hut. Zero the Hut. That's what they call him. Let's call him what he is. Truman Capote as a Hut. How may I serve you, Senator? I was hoping you and I could resolve this dispute and broker a treaty between the Republic and the great clan of the Huts. A treaty? A treaty? A treaty is impossible. My nephew Jabba's son has been kidnapped by your Republic Jedi scum. Who is conspiring with Count Dooku so that he can take control of the Huts and it's about destabilizing the Hut crime family and you know, the hope is that Jabba will have the jet will have uh, Anakin and Ahsoka executed then the Jedi will declare war on the Huts, and Zero can clean up, and it's just, that's a ridiculous plot. Oh yeah, by the way, if you're going to claim that 
that the Jedi killed your son, uh, you better back it up by actually planning to kill him. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, it's, you know, otherwise that's very easily disprovable. I mean, there's so much to take apart. But uh, the thing that really drove me nuts is the uh, quote-unquote comic relief in the form of the battle droids. Okay, let's let, let's compare some comic relief with droids. Uh, there's a little bit of that in episode three, and it's really good. Surrender, Republic dogs. We've got you outnumbered. Outnumbered. Wait, one, two. I would have taken Jar Jar over this. Oh my god! See, this is I'm telling you, this is why this movie is what we think the prequels are. Jar Jar, Jar Jar was a character. He was a genuine character. He was intended as a fool. He was intended as a symbol of what's wrong. I like Jar Jar. I actually do. Don't get me wrong. I think that there is definitely... It's not that I think that Lucas is racist. It's that he was riffing on racist material and unfortunately kept the racism. Yeah. But I like Jar Jar. I do like him as a character. I think he's a good character. And I think that his final place in the story as the fool that destroyed everything is a great one. Yeah. That's not what you have here. What you have here is just a mess. Uh it's it's just an absolute goddamn mess. Um I don't I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Uh I don't like the the droids. Um then you have Capote the Hut who is obviously intended as comic relief and it's just embarrassing. <sighs> Extremely. Who the hell thought that would be a good idea to have Truman Capote as a hut? I mean, <sighs> that's an insult to Truman Capote who Yes, was a caricature of his own creation, but was also an absolute genius of a writer. I mean, have you read In Cold Blood? I haven't. Ah, oh, it's a masterpiece. It is one of the greatest true crime books ever written. I'm going to have to add that to my Audible list. Oh, you do, you do. It's a shame there was never an audiobook read by him, because that would be yeah. fascinating. Um, <clears throat> it would really be interesting, just for the contrast in the in the voice versus the writer. Um uh, there is we get a snippet of that in Capote uh, when uh, Philip Seymour yeah, yeah. Hoffman reads, and you hear just how strong and you know how intense the dialogue is. God, this is a bad. Yeah, this 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 character is a bad idea. And then of course uh, the hut, you know Jabba's son is oh he's sick so he farts and he pukes and he's gross. They call him Stinky. They call him Stinky the Hut. This is the point at which any Star Wars fan in the theater is like, God damn you to hell. Isn't his name something Rada. like... Uh, Rada? Yeah. So it's a stupid name anyway. Yeah. Or Rhoda or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. What were they talking about? What? Who is? Who the fuck is Punky Muffin then? I don't know. They mentioned that name and it's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure that there's an answer, and I'm sure that somebody can tell us. I don't care. Uh, this movie is—it's a mess, and it's an—I—I—I I, I can't stress this enough. This is a very ugly mess. This is a very ugly movie. Um, the—the the color scheme that's chosen for this movie is very unattractive. Again, I think that's funny because later episodes of the show would get really gorgeous. You know, I, I just want to stop real quick and say that I did watch the Darth Maul arc where they brought Darth Maul back from the dead, which is right. a transparent ratings grab, don't get me wrong, but which was actually a brilliant idea and which actually gave the character some 
level of characterization and depth and made him an awesome, um, for the record, they brought him back and gave him a, a metal lower body. Yeah. So they made him a, made him a nice. cyborg. They made him a cyborg. Good. Yeah. And, and they made him an awesome character in that. I, I actually, I, I recommend that arc. You can find it cut together as a movie. Um, but there are some really good cinematic shots in there. It's, it's very attractive. And I know that what they were trying to do with this was to shoot, was to make the look of it, like in terms of camera work, so to speak, like an actual live action movie rather than an animated show. And they all, and, and in all fairness, they also tried very hard to avoid the uncanny valley. So that's why the character designs are so stylized. Yeah. It still doesn't work. It still doesn't work. It's still very ugly and hard to look at. Yeah, it's still kind of hideous. It's it's almost Lego-like, really. Yeah, that's an insult to Lego, though. That is an insult to Lego. Well, that's why it's almost Lego-like. It's very blocky. Um, it's not good animation. It's not good. It's not good anything, really. I mean, but just as I said, the color scheme is also it's a lot of like oranges and yellows and beiges. It's not an attractive movie, even in the least. And as I said, it's interesting then because the uh, Darth Maul arc has some really gorgeous noir shots that are just great to look at. I, I do recommend watching those episodes. They are really good. Um, and I've seen a, a few other episodes here and there. And they it, the show did get good. I want to point that out. Yeah, that's what I've heard all around. Eventually, eventually Ahsoka gets to be a really interesting character, someone who develops that firm independent streak that she has early on in the show only gets stronger as it goes on. She becomes more and more of a character. Um, so I mean, it does have its pluses, but yeah, I mean, the, it, this is just, it's an ugly looking movie. And I, it's especially accentuated by the fact that I saw it on the big screen for the first time. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I griped about this when I was doing comics for rent, but there was stuff that went direct to video that did belong on the big screen. Right. A lot of the direct-to-video movies belonged in theaters. Um, if you want to see a, a good example, Justice League Doom would have been great in theaters. Superman Unbound would have been incredible in theaters. The Dark Knight Returns would have been great, especially cut together as one movie, because it's done in two halves. Oh, I didn't tell you that I saw the first part of that. Oh, what'd you think? Wow. Dude, watch the <laughs> second part. pretty good. Watch the second part. Watch the second part. It's fantastic. Uh, I really, I think I, I might have put that too low in my rankings because I really love that. Uh, they spend a lot, a lot of that's just panels from the comics translated. I love the style of that. You know, you could, like, that's one that's made in the 80s, right? Or well, the comic the, uh, is. The yeah, comic was, yeah. yes. And the movie recaptures that. Yeah, they kept the 80s future of that and... Being a big fan of Back to the Future, I am a fan of the 80s future. Yeah. You also have the advantage of Peter Weller just killing it as Batman. Yeah. Oh, that was such good yeah. casting. Of course, that makes the day the man found love funnier. Huh? The uh, Robocop Batman story that I read once. Uh, Go right. Yeah. So, this I don't know, though. This, uh, you know, while I'm on it, let's talk about voice work, because... The voice work actually is something I'm not bothered by. That is one thing I will say for this movie. Most, yeah, most it's of the, okay. most, it's okay. It's not great. Um, as I said, uh, Ahsoka would grow as a character, 
This version is just okay. She's very much generic, spunky kid. But she will grow as the show goes on. Um, Ashley Eckstein does a really good job. Um, she's been heavily involved in the Her Universe line of clothes, which are geek clothes for girls that aren't embarrassing. And so... Nice. Good. She's awesome. She's awesome. Matt Lanter, who plays Anakin. First of all, I, I think he does a pretty damn good job. I'm going to say that. I think he does a pretty damn good job. But let's talk about one of Matt Lanter's other credits. Uh, he's, done a, he's done a lot of voice work. Um, he uh, actually did Aquaman in uh, the Justice League Throne of Atlantis movie, talking about the uh, direct-to-video movies. And he was awesome there. He was, he was a really good Aquaman. But let's talk about the credit that we really want to talk about. He was uh, the main character in Disaster Movie, oh, which came out ugh. two weeks after this movie. There are people that died in August 2008 who had a better sum, who had a better month than he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mr. Uh, Joker. Oh, God. There are, there are people that died that month that probably had their dignity done better. I'm going to, as I said, I don't think he's bad in this. Um, I don't know. I mean, he, he's not anything special, but he's not bad. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't mind him. And as I said, he's done some better work. He's worked constantly. I should point out he, his career was not killed by any of this. He's worked constantly and I'm fine with that. He, he does a fine job. I've got no gripes, but as I said, oh, so, so bad where, where, where some of these things went. The, the guy that does Obi-Wan does an okay job. Um, you know, he's not Ewan McGregor, but he does a good job. Christopher Lee and Samuel L. Jackson are back for some useless reason. Sam Jackson only has two scenes. Yeah. Which is probably why he's back. Yeah. I... That and Jackson did famously love being involved with this. So, he loved being involved with Star Wars. So I'm sure it was easy for him to, to just phone in a few lines. Yeah. But God, he... It's just... This is... This is not one of his better credits and that says something. Uh, Christopher Lee comes back as the main villain and doesn't really have much to do either. No, he doesn't. Um, he did not go back on. He did not go on to play the part on the show, for the record. No. Well, yeah, I would assume the show is done, right? The show is done. The show is over. Rebels is continuing. Rebels is a direct sequel to the show, though. Interesting. I'm going to go on ahead and spoil it for you that we do that. Um, Ahsoka is on Rebels. So she survived Order 66. Yeah, she survived it. Uh, she's gone on. She's continued. We will probably find out her ultimate fate on that. Um, I haven't seen any of Rebels yet. I've heard good about it. But I know she's on yeah, it. My, my niece and nephew like it. <laughs> and here's the thing. I want to point out. Kids liked this show. The kid audience really did like this show. And they liked the movie. Let me, let me tell you how happy I am to... Have my niece and nephew absolutely love Star Wars to the point where, uh, for my niece's last birthday, I got her raised lightsaber. Nice, nice. I was so happy. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, I want to tear into this movie, but it does get to a point for which it's just kind of, it doesn't even feel like we should be discussing it. That's what it comes down to. It doesn't even feel like we should be discussing this movie, really, because it doesn't feel like it should have ever been a thing. 
Like if this had just right. been something that was spat out on TV, like maybe air, maybe if this had even just aired on TV, I wouldn't have felt any reason to talk about it. I wouldn't have felt any reason to discuss it. I wouldn't have cared because there would have been nothing there for me to say. Because it played in theaters, it does fall under our purview. But it it just there's it's a product is what it is. It's a tie-in. It's really not any different than the novelization that came out. It bolsters the the material. By the way, can I point out that the novelization sold so poorly that Delray Books won't even put out a paperback of it? It's been nine years. They still will not put out a paperback edition. They said it didn't sell well enough. We're not doing we're not doing that. Wow. That's pretty withering. <laughs> That's bad. When someone doesn't even try to make a little bit of money just by spitting out a cheap paperback. That's bad. That's bad. I don't know. I haven't read the novelization. I don't, because I don't care to, because I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend any more time in this, but it just, it feels like I'm talking about a product is what it comes down to. Like, I, I can't really chip at this too hard because it's not really a movie. It's just a thing. I mean, you get to a point where it's like, it's all so numbing. And that's just it. This is a numbing experience as a movie. It numbs you. It Because I was bored 20 minutes into this movie. Like, I'd say for the first few minutes, I was like, okay, I want to give this a shot. Because I love Star Wars, and who knows. But you just get so bored with the constant action. Um, I will point out, Asajj Ventress does go on to become an interesting character, even though she's nothing here. Who I am legally obligated to point out that you would recognize her actress's voice if you had ever heard a certain Offspring song. That's right. That's right. Really? Yeah. That's that's the that that's that's the woman chiming in. Give it to me, baby. On uh. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the actress. Yeah, that's on, the actress. Uh, uh, pre-fly for a white guy. Yeah. Pre-fly for a white guy. Oh my god. There's your cool trivia for the day. I will point out she's she, the she's actually in a really cool episode with a young Boba Fett. Now I hate Boba Fett. I don't think he has any character at all. This episode made me love Boba Fett because it gives him a total character, which is he's an arrogant, blustering jackass who thinks he's amazing, and he's not. Uh, and he's a kid at this point in the show, so he's just a kid, but he's this arrogant blathering kid and I love it this version of Boba Fett I want that to be the adult characterization which is everybody thinks he's cool but he's not done anything let's make that the official characterization because that's kind of what the show does (laughs) oh and by the way the kid that plays him is the one that played him in the movie nice oh he's the real deal because he was awesome it is a great uh, voice performance uh it's cool. I recommend that episode. Uh, I don't know the name of it off the top. It's directly adjoining the Darth Maul arc, though. That's pretty cool because he, you know, the kid doesn't really have much to do in the movie. No, and it, and, and that's what makes it so cool that he does then get something to do here, and he's really good at it. Uh, I think Daniel Wallace is the actor's name. I'm not sure. Let me check that because I really want to get that correct because I want to give a good performance good credit. Um this movie, though, as I said, I just I don't have anything more to say about it because there's just nothing here. There's just nothing here. And I, w- I wanted there to be something good here. I really did. And it, it makes me frustrated that there's not 
something uh, better here. Yeah, it's Daniel Logan is the kid's name. Um, interestingly enough, Dengar showed up on that episode, played by an actor who we've discussed a few times before. I believe you're familiar with Simon Pegg, aren't you? <laughs> uh, just a little. I may have heard of him. I may have heard of him once or twice. Let's see. Uh, Darth Sidious was played by Tim Curry in a few episodes. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm looking at the voice cast for the show. Uh, let's see. Oh, the actress that played that voiced Rita Repulsa is on uh, <laughs> uh, a few episodes as Darth Maul's uh, sort of his mother in a vague way. That's really cool. Um, but yes, hmm. Seth Green is on a few episodes. Uh, but yes, yes, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what... I just, as I said, this isn't a movie to me. This is a product. And it's really a product... I think you can say... I think if you really want to watch the show, watch this, because you have to. Right. Because that's pretty much the pilot for the show, right? But it's the pilot. It's the pilot. It is the pilot. That's what it is. Otherwise, I, if you're a Star Wars fan and you're trying to be a completist, don't... You can ignore this. This is not a thing. There's a lot that could be cut from this. Like, I I knew that Zero the Hut was going to come up. Uh, and, like, an hour in, I'm just like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then he shows up maybe 24 minutes before the end. Yeah. And he, ends, he basically ends up being the guy behind all of it. And it's like... See what I mean about the third act, about the three-act structure? That's proof. Exactly. And the thing that really bothered, you know, especially after, you know, is that we, I guess we might have heard about him at some point, but we don't see him until, like, that far in. And, like, five or ten minutes after his introduction, we find out he's actually the guy that put out uh yeah. the hit on his son and it's it's like um okay so where were you in the beginning so this could have been maybe more significant and it's it's nothing it's nothing it's just very clumsy writing I, i'm glad you pointed that out <sighs> yeah it's lazy and it's uh i don't think i would have noticed that if i hadn't you know if the character hadn't been so uh known beforehand more, like yeah, the most maligned thing to come out of this movie. And that says a lot. Also, he speaks. Yeah, also, he speaks English for some reason. Um, we speak. We hear him speaking some hut ease at the end, but it's so forced. <laughs> we know he's a hut, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know the the droid humor, you know, especially bothered me because it's it's like. There was a they they were slightly clumsy in the movie. Maybe it was more of a they're not very individually. They're not very good as warriors, but uh, they forget. Yeah, like one of them is trying to relay like a number or something like that. One one uh, one seven seven eight. Two, what was the other number again? It's like you're a fucking robot. You have a perfect memory. Stop at this. It's like I I hit, I found myself throughout the movie saying, "Oh my God, stop!" <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what this movie is. It's just it's so not good. Yeah, that's 
pretty much all I have to say about it. Okay, then I'm going to go off on a little <sighs> editorial to close out the cast. It is firmly my opinion that if George Lucas had not sold Lucasfilm to Disney, Star Wars mm-hmm. would be dead right now. Yeah. We might get something for the 50th anniversary, but I and I'm we might get like attempts here and there. But if you look at the comics, the comics were just sputtering along. They had a decent Brian Wood series that was going, but nothing that great. The books were hopelessly sputtering along, as I will get to in my article. There was no there was nothing here. Star Wars, I think the Clone Wars series would have done okay. And it would have it would have been okay with the young fan base. But Star Wars as we know it would have died, I think, if Lucas didn't sell to to Disney. I think what we were really on the brink of was this series just not meaning anything to people. Because I think once you get to a certain point where there's an entire generation that hasn't grown up on it, that's when it gets tr- that's when it gets troubling. Um now of course, I mean I I I say that as though okay, you know, keep in mind the gap between well, I mean the gap between um episode 3 and or between Return of the Jedi and episode 1 was right. 16 was 16 years. And really if you, let's count the special editions. So that's still 14 years. That's that's still not that was still I think a safe enough gap. But I think that the, but I think that this would have kept going and I think the gap would have gotten bigger if Lucasfilm hadn't sold because I I don't think audiences would have cared. There, w- there weren't going to be new movies. There weren't going to be... All you were going to get would, would be spinoffs rehashing the same eras. Star Wars was in torpor. Yeah. I... To, what was the gap between... Is it 2005 and... Okay, that's... 11 years. Uh, 11 years. That's 11 years, yeah. That's, that's, that's not bad. Well, no, it was, two, it was, no, it was 10 years. It was 10 years. Ten years. Yeah, it's ten years. Yeah, because two thousand five and twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So ten, ten and a half years. Let's say ten and a half years, because it was six months. We needed episode seven. I mean, we needed episode seven for many reasons, like mostly because it's awesome. But we need. But Star Wars would have died without episode seven. Without, and without Disney going in and re- reinventing the franchise. Because that's what Star Wars needed. It needed life. It needed to come back from the dead. It nearly didn't. It it really... I think Lucas would have just been content to sit on it. Uh, there are rumblings that he may have done in Episode Seven on his own terms. I don't believe that. I don't think Lucas has wanted to be a director for many years. I think really and truly he would have been happy retiring after Episode Four, But he kept being dragged back in. Um, so that's really just it that this, this was, this was the near death of star Wars. I do think that Disney, that giving it to Disney meant that you could see what happens to all truly great cultural myths, which is it got handed off to the fans. Um, for, first of all, the comics at dark horse were never a highlight. Um, but Marvel doing it, Marvel has treated the star Wars with the absolute greatest handling. They put their best writers on it. They put their best artists on it. If you pick up a Star Wars comic from Disney, you are getting something that is of the absolute highest quality. Yeah, Disney knows how to treat their IPs. Yeah, Marvel has been treating this like an A-list 
franchise for them, and that's what it is to them. The Star Wars comics feel like lost chapters of the story that you didn't realize you needed to know. They feel like everything else that we had in the expanded universe and in the other comics was just us getting a rumor of what happened. This is what really happened, and I love that. I love that. Hmm. Episode 7 is a movie made partially by the fans and partially by the people that were there because Lawrence Kasdan did co-write it. And it feels legitimate. It feels like it belongs to us. Rogue One feels like it's something of the fans. The fans that have always demanded that we get a realistic on-the-ground movie about the Rebellion. That's what we got with, with Rogue One. And God, there's so many beautiful shots in that movie. That's going to be a movie that, when it comes out on video, which will probably be by the time that y'all hear this. Very soon. It's going to be screen-capped to all hell just because people are staring at this movie. It's great. I have one with the Force. The Force is with me. I have one with the Force. The Force is with me. God, I love that moment. That's been that's been a mantra for Star Wars fans for uh, since it came out. It has been, and it is so... And Donnie Yen is just... Can we get Donnie Yen in, like, anything in, in the West? Like, mm-hmm. can we get a, a movie starring this guy... Like, I do not see how that guy shouldn't be a, a, a movie star, seriously. Yeah. You know? I mean, because I, I, I've always known that Yen was, like, a incredibly good martial artist. Who knew he was that charming? And he, he handled his English dialogue fantastically. Yeah. And I was so happy when on Valentine's Day, uh, my friend Colleen, who lives in Pittsburgh... Hi, Colleen, if you're listening. Uh, sent me a Valentine that said... It was like a drawn uh, Valentine that, said, uh, that had um, the robot, I forgot his name. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Altitude Geek robot. It's like, would you like to know the probability of you being a great friend? It's high. Aww. It's very high. <laughs> I don't know. I... Yeah. Seriously, Rogue One was awesome. I, And then, of course, in December, we have The Last Jedi coming bring it yes the force awakens the last jedi truly star wars has come back to life truly it did but i'm serious this was our near death this was the near death of the franchise can i tell you how much i love that episode 7 teases luke and then episode 8 is just going to be luke and ray yes i love that I love it because it means that the specter of Luke Skywalker looms over the movie without him overshadowing the new characters. Right. Yes. The, yes. Perfect. On the other hand, Han Solo gets to show up, and I swear that was the most fun Harrison Ford had in years. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. For the record, now that the hype has died down, I just love Episode 7 so much. I, I, I cannot believe yeah. that that's what we got as Episode 7. It it thrills my heart to know that that's what episode seven is i know it deserves it deserves to be episode seven and yes for the record for everybody who's whining yes it's a lot like episode four it's called part it's called being part of a franchise do you not know how franchises work yeah it's it's like one of the most mocked things about uh Especially in, like, say, the Plink... Highlight by the Plinket reviews. Um, uh, the... Yeah, um... 
you know, that thing in like the one of the making of documentaries where he's like, oh, it's like a poem, the stanzas say rhyme. It's like, he's not wrong about doing that. Like, he's not wrong for doing that, because that's that's actually a really good storytelling device. It's a brilliant storytelling device. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I felt, did that, but better. Yeah, it did it brilliantly, because it does echo, and it reminds us that we're in a universe where patterns repeat. That's part of Star Wars. That's part of great epic sagas, period. Ugh. But anyway, enough about the good movies. I swear, just do not watch the Clone Wars movie. Skip it. Avoid it. Those are my thoughts. Uh, you can find us at thefilmroom.org. Uh, you can find us on Podbean app. You can find us on iTunes. We're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, hit us up on our contact page. Thanks to our patrons. Yes, thank you, patrons. Thank you for your continued uh, support. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Sean from Totally. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Barack. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's uh, it's much appreciated. Uh, thank you, thank you, Sheila. Ah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just forget somebody. I don't need to. Yeah. Uh, but at least at least it shifts around, and I don't always forget like just one person. So. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, guys. Until next time, and may the force be with y'all. You're one with the force, the force is with Jabba has one more small condition. He demands you bring back the slime who kidnapped his little punky muffin. <laughs> punky? Meet you to Tonky Sabiska!